0: Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, into the fourth episode of the Breakout Podcast Hit, better known as the Get Around. Uh, we are in our fourth different location for our fourth episode, figuring that uh, we're trying to find one that's not uh, an echo chamber, right? It's probably still a little bit echoey in here. I can tell a little bit already. Maybe it's slightly echoey, but uh, you know, uh, we are, this podcast is. is Getting huge, guys. I mean, we had more than 50 people listen last week. Oh, we had 55 listens. That doesn't mean that there were, like, 55 people that actually listened. I know that I think I listened three times. I know we probably had
1: you listened. Right, Brett? I did. We could have those times, though, where there's, like... 10 people crowded around one computer just That's, listening with glee. Well, isn't that how it is? I mean, I think we look at this
0: as kind of like uh, FDR's Fireside Chats, where everybody gathers around, they all stare at the computer.
2: It's the digital pass-around factor.
0: Yeah, the digital pass-around factor. So I go with FDR's Fireside Chats showing, you know, how old I am, and you go with digital pass-around <laughs> factor. So, yeah. Um, but, uh yeah, just a fair warning to potential advertisers here. If uh, you know, you might not want to jump on the bandwagon now before it's too crowded. Because uh, I know, I know, we got a lot of people looking to uh, sponsor this show. So, uh, so jump on uh, and uh, you know, give us money. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And we'll talk about your business and say the name of your business on this show. And uh, I'll be. I feel like it's actually a professional podcast, so. uh, I am your host, Brendan Queeley, and I am joined, as always, by my two partners in crime and my fellow sports writers here at the Traverse City Record Eagle, James Cook and Brett Summers. How you doing, guys? Not too shabby. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. We're making history here, fellas. Making history. Three (laughs) middle-class Caucasian males, all sporting different types of facial hair, which we've talked about before. You've got the 50-50 going Brett, goatee. <laughs> i got the full beard. And in fact, I haven't shaved in, a, in about a week. Um, except, except I'm a little
2: behind on the shaved head. It's sprouting. Yeah, you got a little uh, grass on the field up there. A little Gio. so
0: <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, three middle-class white guys talking about sports on a podcast that is listened to by literally tens of people. Dozens. Ten, oh, I don't know if we can go dozens. I'm good with tens right now. I don't want to. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, uh, brag too much. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think a podcast like this is being done anywhere else in the world. There's, there are no way that there are three white guys talking sports on any other podcast. It's, uh, yeah. it is just not happening. Buzaski so. only has two white guys. Yes, <laughs> we got three. It's called diversity. It's, it's All right.
1: 50% better.
0: But it does feel good to be a trailblazer. We are pioneers, boys. All right? Uh, so here is what is on tap for episode number four. Uh, you're going to spend the next hour with the get-around guys. I'm trying to get that nickname going. It's not going to happen. I understand that. But, uh, I wouldn't uh, feel too badly if it didn't catch on, I'll be honest with you. You wouldn't feel badly if it didn't catch on? You don't <laughs> like being part of the get-around guys? Listen, I don't have a lot going on. I like being part of something. So... Uh, Brett and I are going to try to uh, console James after Sunday's uh, questionable Lions loss in the final seconds against Atlanta. Uh, We examine what current undefeated local football teams will remain undefeated at the end of the season, and we also wonder if the Traverse City West girls golf team's new approach will be beneficial when the state finals come calling. Uh, We're going to induct our fourth athlete into the Get Around Hall of Fame. uh, We're going to break down the enormous Week week 6 matchup on the gridiron as Glen Lake welcomes in Frankfurt for homecoming on Friday. We'll also take a quick glance around the rest of Friday and Saturday's football schedule and see what games catch our eye. Uh, Finally, uh, we will go over the one big lesson we learned this week uh, before choosing the one fictional athlete around which we will uh, intend to build our franchise. Say we were a hypothetical GM in a hypothetical world where all of the fictional athletes of all of uh, the sports movies and TV shows uh, existed. It would. Uh, who would we draft first? Who would we build our franchise around? And that's what we're going to talk about as we wrap up the show with the trifecta.
2: You didn't even have to get so descriptive. You could have just said, "In the fictional world where we have enough money to own a team." Yeah. Cause it ends there. I'm wordy, though. I'm a little wordy, so <laughs> I tell that by my writing sometimes.
0: <laughs> uh, before we dive into all of that, uh, this past week has been full of controversy, thanks to a little tête-à-tête between our Commander-in-Chief, Donald Trump, uh, and the NFL, as well as the Golden State Warriors, LeBron James, and a good portion of the sports world. Uh, so, not too shortly after the incident regarding ESPN TV host Jamel Hill's tweet blasting Trump as a white supremacist, uh, as they was beginning to quiet down, the president lashed out at NFL players uh, who kneeled during the playing of the national anthem, calling them, quote, sons of bitches, and calling for them to be fired. During Sunday's NFL games, about 200 players either sat, knelt, or raised their fists in defiance uh, during the early games. Uh, a week ago, it was just six players uh, that were uh, protesting. Uh, most of the players on Sunday, they locked arms with their teammates. Some were standing, some were kneeling uh, in a show of solidarity. Uh, a handful of teams stayed off the field, uh, including most of the Pittsburgh uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I was yep. going to say Panthers, and that's not right. That'd that would be the college. And uh, I was going to say the <laughs> Penguins. That would be the college. I was going to say and the Penguins, and, and an then NHL that wasn't team. right. See, this is what yeah. happens when you don't pay attention to the NFL <coughs> for five years. You forget that the Steelers are an actual football team. Um, One player for the Steelers came out. Yes, uh, an Army veteran uh, whose name yep. is uh, escaping me. Alejandro the Villanueva. There yep. you go. Look at that. You pronounced it so beautifully, too. Starting left tackle. Right, give me another pronunciation of that. Alejandro Villanueva. Oh, that's a beautiful, beautiful pronunciation. <laughs> um, so the practice of kneeling began last season when uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, then a member of the San Francisco 49ers, along with teammates Eric Reed and Eli Harold, knelt during the playing of the National Anthem in a silent protest of racial injustice and inequality, specifically regarding uh, police uh, brutality. Uh, The controversy has blown up uh, as some people took Kaepernick's uh, actions and now others' uh, actions as disrespect to the country, to the flag, and to the men and women serving in the United States military. So it's clearly a you know, divisive issue that we're all talking about here. And we could easily spend the entire episode talking about this, breaking this down, um, but I wanted to try to localize it a little bit and get into our question of the week, uh, which is if you were a football coach or an athletic director or a supervisor or, or someone in the administration at one of our local high schools that we cover, right? Let's say that, like, you know, for this sake, let's say that we're a football coach, all right? And our players... Uh, come to us and say, "Hey, coach, we want to kneel during the national anthem." Uh, what is your reaction? How are you going to approach that situation?
1: I would, uh, I would, you know, talk to the uh, the young man. I'm assuming you're talking football. So yes, I would I to the young man and and you know, say, you know, I support you and and do whatever you want. I can't as a as a if you're a public school official, you can't. You're basically a government representative. So you can't restrict someone's First Amendment rights. So you can't basically tell them they can't do it. I would I would think, from a from a legal standpoint. But I would also tell the kid, you know, hey, you know, you have to have a well reasoned understanding of this of why you're doing it, and and an understanding that a lot of questions are going to come from a lot of people after you do it. Yeah, and they're probably going to take some heat as well. I, I mm-hmm. talked to, uh, I called uh, Trevor City West
0: Athletic Director uh, Jason Carmine and Trevor City Central uh, Athletic Director uh, Mark Mattson. I talked to both of them briefly on the phone yesterday. Um and because I kind of wanted to get an idea of how, what they would do. And when I talked to Mark Matson, uh, he basically said as soon as he woke up and saw the news, uh, he knew that the first thing he was doing Monday morning was going to be talking to the principal and some of the other staff uh, at Central in, in terms of how they were going to approach this situation because, uh, you know, they were preparing that they are going to have uh, student athletes who are going to kneel uh, during the National Anthem at some point this week. Uh, at least that's kind of the impression that I got from, uh, from Mark Matson when I was talking to him. Or at, least, was,
1: or at least they want to get ahead of it and be prepared if, in case that does happen.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Brett. If you had players that came to you, would what would you what would you say? And here I'll even add, pose a, a a bigger question: What if you had <laughs> uh, a couple players who wanted to do it, and then you also had a couple players who were vehemently against it? How would you approach that situation? You're trying to uh, create a cohesive one-team unit.
2: Well, I think um, you know I would. I would begin in the same uh, area that James mentioned and just, you know, speaking to those who wanted uh, to do that, make sure that they uh, understand any possible, uh, you know, ramifications. Ramifications, thank you. Yeah, that could rise from that, as well as making sure they understand why they're doing it. You know, uh, if I was the coach, I wouldn't. You know, if somebody comes and tells me they want to do that and then, for example, said, well, I saw my favorite player do it, though that's probably not a well enough thought out reason to go ahead with that. But, uh, you know, in conversation, if that athlete or athletes, um, you know, have the ability to show that, uh, you know, he or she truly understands what they're planning on doing as well as has the conviction uh, to do that, Um, you know it would be pretty difficult to stand in their way Um, as far as the if you had you know kids on both sides which would not be surprising as there are adults on both sides of this issue um, you know you would have to do your best just to at least try to get them to see that it is you know the First Amendment right of every citizen of the United States and, um, you know, start from there. At least find a little common ground to at least understand or or show, you know, those who were against it why those who were for it, you know, could do that.
0: As a coach, would you be uh, tempted to just tell them no, you know, or would you say, listen, I respect... Your decision to do this, but I, I feel it would create too much of a distraction for the team, and what we're trying to do right now, you know, is is win football games or win a volleyball game or, or anything like that where the national anthem is played. Uh, you know, as a coach, would you be tempted to just be like, listen, it's you know, allow other people outside of this to uh to handle it or or would you be okay with uh with your athletes expressing themselves like that and especially uh if they came to you firsthand, if they came to you beforehand and, and
2: talked to you about it uh, rather than just doing it on their own? It depends a little bit. Um, like I said, if you know, as the coach you hear their reasons and their convictions for wanting to do that, if there's not uh viable alternative or, or something that you can come up with to you know help the athlete uh, you know, find another way to do it and still get the results that they're looking for um, then probably I mean you might still think is there something we can do here but if you can't come up with one then probably I probably wouldn't stand in their way you know if through the conversation you can come up with uh you know, another way to go about things, I'm sure that, uh, you know, as a coach, you'd be tempted to do that because obviously, like you said, from day one, you know, the first thing you're trying to do is get your whole team on the same page. Right. And if they're not, if, if individuals aren't, then, you know, certainly other issues could arise from that as well, so... I think the other thing they have to worry about, too, is if
0: students do this, We and we, you talked about it, uh, ramifications, but the backlash that they would receive from uh, other fans, parents, uh, people in the community, uh, you'd have to wonder if, uh, if they'd be ready for that, because not only that, if they do kneel during the national anthem, they're going to get attention not only from us, They'll get attention from uh, other newspapers, TV, radio. They're they're going to be talking about the athletes who uh, who knelt during the, na- the national anthem because right now that is the biggest uh, topic at you know on, on the tongues of uh, uh, people in this country and um, it's it's certainly uh, one of those situations where you want to respect your players. Uh, and allow them uh, to do what they believe is the right thing to do. But again, um, you know, the, the right, there has to be that discussion of what is this really about? Why are you kneeling? You know, are you kneeling because uh, you are... Uh, you know you're against this in, this presidential administration and, and what they're doing what they stand for are you kneeling for the same reasons that uh, Kaepernick knelt for which is racial injustice uh, inequality uh, certainly in the uh, in law enforcement and how law enforcement uh, treats uh, African Americans uh, are you doing it simply because like you said you saw some people do it on Sunday and you think that maybe this is a cool way to get attention
1: I think the other thing you got to look at, too, especially if, if you're an ath- looking at it from an athlete's perspective, I think you got to look at it and, and before you do it, assess whether you think your team can handle this, whether this will become a problem for the team. I mean, you're going to have maybe some other kids on that team that are not going to like that, or maybe your team will be accepting it doing that, you know, and you're going to have to practice against these guys, play along these guys for another, you know, five weeks, uh, four weeks. I mean, uh, and... Uh, and are these guys going to be able to handle that? Are they going to? Is there going to be retribution? Is there going to be hard, bad feelings, arguments? You know, and, and whether you're, whether you think your team can, can handle that or withstand that.
2: Well, I think something else too that, you know, in the process of figuring out that situation, another thing that you know is not maybe, uh, you know, happening at these professional levels of sports is. I mean, you've definitely got to. I would think bring the parents in of the student-athletes that want to do that and make sure everyone's aware because, you know, even if, you know, as a coach you had a conversation with a student and you came to some sort of agreement, you could have a lot of backlash. That way if, you know, somebody ends up kneeling and their parents didn't know that that was going to be happening, uh, something like that, not, you know, necessarily in an effort to prevent it from happening, but just so that everybody can be well-prepared and,
1: uh You know, there's no surprises afterward. I mean, if you're, you know, you come into work the next day and somebody's like, oh, hey, I heard Johnny didn't stand for the national anthem. You know, you could get it from coworkers or whatever. I mean, just this morning my wife said, please don't write a column about this this week. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a
0: question of, are you uh, strong enough to handle the, the backlash and the criticism and do this, Something for that you that you believe in, and uh, it's it's certainly a question that I think we're going to have answered here in the next couple of days because I more than expect athletes, uh, local athletes around here, uh, to kneel
1: during the national anthem. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Do you guys expect I, it to happen? I don't know if I expect it to happen. I mean, the last the last week or two at football games that I've gone to, I've looked during the national anthem and paid more attention during the national anthem than I normally do, and, and it hasn't come up. But I, I you know I've paid attention so. If, if I'm at least thinking it's a possibility, it's gonna be even more now. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I don't know that I'm expecting it either. I, I mean, I
2: could be wrong about this, but I feel like the pressure to do that as you know a teenager could be far greater than maybe even the pressure that those that, who are doing it on the professional level. Um, so even if somebody wanted to do it, maybe they wouldn't do it anyway, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: I think the most likely place for it to happen would be a year, the game you're going to be at, Benton Harbor. Western Benton Harbor, yes. Yes, from yeah. the opposition. Yes. On the other team side. Yes. Line. Benton Harbor is a
0: uh, predominantly black Predominantly African American town with yep. predominantly African American players on their team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, up here in Traverse City in northern Michigan, we're we're pretty white. Minimal diversity. Minimal diversity up here for sure. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I yeah, and that's. kind of why I was uh, I wanted to to bring this up because I know I will be at the the Benton Harbor West game on Friday and uh, that's I guess that's why I'm expecting it uh, to happen. All right moving on to our over-under reactions of the week Uh, the Detroit Lions had a few players take a knee during the singing of the National Anthem and then even uh, Rico Lavelle uh, who belted up the star-spangled banner uh, took a knee and raised his fist in the air You could hear some boos uh, uh, being heard during the uh, protests, but those boos weren't even close uh, to the ones that were uh, being, uh, uh, or some of the pleasantries that were being tossed at the officials after the refs reversed the call on Golden Tate's touchdown in the final seconds of the fourth quarter, costing the Lions the upset win against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, this isn't the first time that the Lions have been burned by the refs on what could have been a game-winning touchdown. We all remember the Calvin Johnson touchdown
2: against the Chicago Bears, I think was that 2010 a while ago. Yeah, it, it was a while ago. So yeah. I heard somebody today yeah. say that that was 10 years ago already. I don't oh, know if was that's it that true. long ago? I don't know if that's true,
0: but it wow. could be. Might All be. right, so it was a while ago. So the, the touchdown, the game winner against the Chicago Bears, where he had it, and then he put the ball down, and then they said that he never actually caught the Completed ball. Completed the process. And even as a Chicago Bears fan at the time, which I was, I was like, that was... You know. Sketchy. Yeah, I was going to swear, but I'm trying not to swear on this podcast. <laughs> um, so, over or under reaction, uh, the NFL refs have it out for the
1: uh, for the uh, Detroit Lions. James? I mean, I don't know that they have it out for them, but, I mean, man, this seems to happen to the Lions a lot. I mean, you've got the you got the thing with the, the phantom pass interference call against the Cowboys in the playoffs, where they call pass interference, and then they decide to... That it's not pass interference when every replay says that it was pass interference and you got it right, but you called it back. Then there was the, the batting the ball out of bounds thing with the Seahawks. Uh, the the Phantom Face Mask with Aaron Rodgers. I <laughs> still Brett, stand Brett I, by the fact I could go back and forth on this one. In
2: real time. I mean I'll admit he did not grab him by the face mask, but in real time it looked like a face mask. And if it yeah. looks like a face mask, they're gonna throw the flag. True. That's all I have to say about yeah. that.
1: That's, that's why. I, that's why I think the uh, the the instant replay system needs to change, and that you could uh, challenge anything. If you still have challenges left, you could challenge and say, "I don't believe that was a hold or a pass interference," and that you have it wrong. But that's a different topic. <laughs> in this one, uh, Golden Tate was down. Uh, that that I'm I'm pretty convinced of after watching it a few times, seeing some photos from different angles. Thanks Golden, to a Golden hand Tate,
2: on the shoulder.
1: Yeah, there was a guy who had a hand on his on his shoulder from the Ravens. I mean, from. From Atlanta, different bird uh, <laughs> Falcons Falcons, yeah, uh, had his hand on his shoulder um, So he was he was down at about The one half yard line Or one foot line or something like that But it would have, there would have been at least eight seconds left And The Lions could have easily gotten another playoff Because they started at, what, the three or four So they were already right there You're not going to change personnel You just get up to the line snap the ball and run a play Probably a sneak or a dive or something or another play like what they did to Golden Tate.
2: Or if you really wanted to sub, you probably could have spiked the ball and still had them time for another It was going to be fourth down, though. Oh, it was. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. <coughs> Look at me spouting off about things <laughs> I don't know about. <laughs> that's that's me the every thing. week, buddy. That's the thing. They were inside the 10, and this was their third try at the end zone. That's I right. Mean, so there's a whole bunch of things. I mean, Erica even on drops, uh, you know, the pass interference calls against the Falcons that allowed them to get down there in the first place were can be questionable you know there was another play earlier in the series where Stafford gets out of the pocket and the Lions totally could have been called for holding I was amazed that they weren't um I think it was Rick Wagner on the edge you know had a had a hold of some guys shoulder pads and, and I was surprised they didn't call it but I think the spirit of the rule of the 10 second runoff though is so that you can't I don't think it applies necessarily in that situation because in that situation, the Lions are being penalized by essentially having the game over because the referees did not get the call right the first time. Nothing the Lions did ended that game. What the referees did ended that game. Um, so I, I think you'll see that addressed in future, and that rule will be amended, not eliminated, but that rule will be amended where in situations like this they cannot run right. the ten seconds off. How right. different is a three zero record compared to a two and one record now for the Lions? <clears throat> well, they're still in first place in the tie for first place in the division um you know they're they're looking good i mean the falcons are arguably the best team in the nfl right now i think other than kansas city they're right there with them i mean the the, the falcons are easily top 5 and you can make arguments for any number so, of right, teams so you've for gone from the best to now top 5 to Top eight, I believe
0: I was just flipped off on the podcast by James Cook. I got the old, uh, got the old bird
1: right there, ladies and gentlemen. Another bird. (laughs) Yeah, another bird. What I was going to say (laughs) is that there are five. They're definitely in the top five, and you can make arguments for a lot of teams to be number one because there is not a clear-cut number one team in the NFL right now. Um, So I mean, and they, and they took them literally to the last second. Um, So I mean, things are looking good for the Lions. In yeah. a couple of weeks, i will get a couple of suspended defensive linemen back. That could help too. Um, so things are not dire. No, I
2: don't. I've been impressed with Detroit through three weeks, uh, certainly. And you know, as tough of a way to go down as that is, I don't think Detroit has anything to feel bad about. I mean, certainly they wanted to win the game, but at least from the outside, that wasn't a game Detroit was supposed to win anyway. Um so even if it's kind of a phantom W and against, as we just established, one of the best teams in the league, feel like you should be three and0. I mean there's n- nothing to do but just keep moving forward and I mean from what I've seen from the Lions so far, I think they will certainly be uh, fighting Green Bay to the end again for the uh, NFC North Title.
0: All right, uh, let's stay on the gridiron, but move the discussion here to northern Michigan. Uh, right now we have six area football teams with an undefeated 5-0 record, including Traverse City West, uh, which is ranked 6th in Division I, Traverse City St. Francis, which is the top-ranked team in Division Seven. Boyne City, which is 5th in Division V, uh, Gaylord St. Mary, which is 7th in D-8, Nekema, which is an honorable mention in the 8-player division, and Central Lake, which is currently unranked. Uh, So here's the over uh, or under reaction here. Uh, Four of those six six teams will remain undefeated after week nine. Now, I know that Boyne City and St. Francis play each other in week nine, uh, so the most we can have is five, but uh, four four of these teams are going to stay undefeated for the regular season. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I think four is about the right number. I think uh, obviously you'll have uh, St. Francis and Boyne City, one of them will knock each other off, but I think they'll be undefeated going into that game. Um, going into week eight, you're going to have uh, the two undefeated eight-man teams play each other, too. Um, I, I would definitely pick onekema to win that game. Um, Central Lakes had a great season, but, I mean, onekema just looks like a a, bull, a bulldozer I mean, in, in eight-man this season as far as the teams up here this year. Um, and then, you know, I totally see West going undefeated, too. And well, West's biggest test is certainly this week against Benton
0: Harbor. Uh, Benton Harbor uh, beat them last year, twenty-one to sixteen, and and they're a fairly athletic squad. Um, you know, uh, West is sitting uh, ranked uh, fifth. Um, well, I'm sorry, ranked sixth. Uh, but you know, are they as good as their their five and zero record says? They haven't played the greatest of competition, but to be fair, they have destroyed that competition. I mean, they yeah. they worked over. Uh, Alpena this past week and it was just it was embarrassing for the Wildcats. They didn't get a first down until more than eight minutes passed in the in the second quarter. They only had three first downs the entire game. Uh, I mean, it, West just looked like they were playing uh, a pee wee football team. They really did. They were just that impressive. And it was the same thing against the uh, Petoskey the week before. Uh, again, it was a, a defense that. Um, what was taking care of business, you know, on that side of the ball, but their offense is just so good. Like they didn't punt against Alpina. I think they had a, a fourth down. I think they turned the ball over on downs once, um, but even that, it, it, they were still going for it. Up, I think 30, 30 to nothing. They were up thirty to nothing. It was a fourth and fourteen from uh, the Alpina thirty-five, and they were like, "Oh, we'll go for it. Why not?" You know, because that's what you know, head coach head coach Tim Moore likes to do. Uh, and DeKuyper uh, lobbed one up to Ryan Hayes, who ripped it between the hands of two defenders, and then bowled over another one and got the ball down into the five. I mean, that kid plays so angry, like, but angry in control, not like out of control angry. But he is playing just so physical and wanting to. Uh, I mean be the the best and the most dominant player out on that field watching
1: Hayes it, it's just it's so much fun to watch that kid play when I was doing the athlete of the year story on Hayes I asked you know a bunch of his coaches about him and uh most of them said you know they almost thought he was too nice and that they were hoping to see that streak coming out this year in his senior year and it definitely has yeah it definitely has that that kid
0: he uh He he likes to put the hurt on people, especially on defense. Mm -hmm. And when he gets the ball,
2: he likes to run over people. Nobody likes it when everybody around the table agrees.
0: (laughs) Okay, so 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 what's he going
2: with? Overreaction. I'm going to say we're going to have less than four teams finish the regular season undefeated. Yeah, I'm going to say Boyne's going to lose, Central Lake's going to lose, Gaylord say Mary is going to lose, and Traverse City West is going to lose the game. They're all going to lose one. All right. Finally, let
0: <laughs> us venture onto the golf course. Uh, although Traverse City West lost uh, in a tournament setting for the first time in its last eleven tries on Monday, uh, the Titans, who are ranked number two behind uh, Celine in Division One, are still ticketed for the state finals and will be one of the favorites. However, West head coach Carl uh, Gagnon has implemented a new approach uh, in which not all of West golfers are competing in every tournament. Uh, Gagnon allowed uh, sisters Annika and Ansi D, as well as Jillian Elul, to skip Monday's tournament uh, to save their strength for more imper- important tournaments um, uh, down the road. Uh, he's been doing this uh, for all of the golfers. Uh, Brett, you found out about this. You talked to him last week. Uh, so over or under reaction, uh, this approach is going to come back and bite West at the end of the
2: year. So I think it's an overreaction. Uh, West did finish second in Monday's tournament with about uh, 10 other teams or so, uh, falling behind Harbor Springs but still winning the Big North Conference portion of the meet. Uh, as you mentioned, Anika D., Ansi D., and Jillian Elu all out. Ilu uh, actually, uh, this was a tournament that she had selected as an opportunity to kind of focus more on schoolwork and things. Uh, Coach Gagnon kind of approached his uh, his team earlier this year and just as far as handling the stresses of the schedule as well as, uh, you know, he said a bunch of these girls are taking really difficult AP classes and things like that and, you know, they kind of came back with him to him with, you know, can we slim down the schedule a little bit so that we're not so overtaxed and uh, he was all for it, and so this was the tournament uh, that Jillian Ewell picked to miss, so she uh, was not there today. Uh, Anika Nazi, it was not actually the same situation. They are apparently in New Mexico. Playing in some uh, sort of junior golf tournament. They're always somewhere around the country, playing somewhere else, and
0: not for West. Yeah. It seems to be S- the case. So this particular tournament, <laughs> they, could you, they, don't, they don't even
2: need those two, <laughs> and they're still the best. You know, one of the best teams in the state. This particular tournament in New Mexico, three girls were handpicked by Michigan State uh, golf coach Stacy Slobodnik Stoll, and Annika and Anzi. Well, Annika was technically in via her performances this summer. She was the points leader. But then Ansi was hand-selected uh, by Slobodnik, and then there was a third girl. So they're down there right now. Um, they've got a mixture of uh, match play and that various formats heading into the weekend. So they could be gone for a bit yet. I'm not exactly sure what West's schedule looks like, but uh, over the next week or so but uh you know they could be it could be without the the d girls for a little bit uh but i as far as down the road if the girls were feeling over overtaxed or just felt like they were getting behind in their schoolwork i would think lessening the stress load can only help them going forward especially when they when they get to the state meet i mean this team is so loaded and talented that as long as they're there they'll have a chance to win the whole thing yeah i think Mm -hmm. it requires a lot of trust on Ganyan's
0: part as the head coach to be able to, you know, uh, have the discussion with his players and decide that that's okay. I mean, a lot of the times you'll have a coach, if a player skips practice, you know, he he can miss, you know, the game or the first quarter or the first half or something like that. You know, this this discussion here is, uh, it it seems a very um, adult and two way is to, to go at this, have this approach and. Uh, understand that, yeah, we're golfing a lot here, so maybe it wouldn't hurt to uh, lessen the stress level on these high school kids who, uh, you know, r- really do have to deal with a lot. As a student-athlete, it's, uh, you know, you don't have much free time. So, and especially if, mm-hmm. like you said, if you have uh, some of the golfers that are taking AP courses, and, and those are very difficult, and even just your regular course load as a high school student can,
2: can be uh, you know can be pretty taxing. The um, school bus is not a
1: conducive learning environment as far as homework goes. Certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean and, and another way that West kind of addressed this is they really front-loaded their schedule. They played a lot of tournaments before school started. I think that was also intentional in part of his handling of, of this uh, to get as many tournaments out of the way before school started as possible to kind of, to kind of alleviate that problem. I mean, because if you're a golfer, I mean, practice is probably going to be nine holes. Mm-hmm. They just basically play nine holes, and that's your practice. So your practice is two, depending on how slow you go and how much instruction they get along the way and stuff like that, two, three hours. I mean, that's as much as a football player, at least, if not more.
0: All right, uh, keep the ship moving, and let us induct our fourth member into the Get Around Hall of Fame. Uh, as always, we've got three candidates this week. Uh, I will start off, I'm going to go with, uh, I will nominate uh, Traverse City Central's uh, C.L. Kearney, who uh, you know, at some point she was going to get anyway, anyway, but I thought uh, this week uh, she won the Big North Conference meet at Cadillac uh, by more than a minute and a half, uh, and then she won the Cougar Falcon invite uh, out of, I think, 120 some odd runners, and she won by a minute and 12 seconds there, and that was, she was running on a day when it was, you know, mid-90s. And uh, they were actually, uh, I, I found out at the, not at the Cougar Falcon invite, but at the Jackson Invitational, that there were eight ambulances uh, at, the, at that uh, cross-country meet uh, before 11.30 in the morning, taking uh, runners wow. away. So it was, it was pretty nasty. And for her to, to for Seattle for to, to win like that, uh, I think the, I think she ran a, uh, almost a sub-17 time. Uh, at the at the BNC invite at Cadillac, I think he, I think she was like 17 on the dot, like maybe 17.92, uh, and then she was uh, around 17.33 uh, for uh, for Saturday's uh, Cougar
2: Falcon invite. So yeah, CL is my my nomination. Uh, Brett, how about yours? My nomination is Martin Foley, a senior wide receiver for Traverse City Central. Uh, they too battled the heat this weekend. Uh, having to play their game of throw will be at 1am 1pm 1am would have been better yeah 1pm uh, on Saturday against Gaylord and uh, in the Trojans victory, Mr. Foley had 6 catches for 214 yards and 2 touchdowns and when I, I unfortunately was not at the game uh, but when I saw that stat line my initial reaction was kind of where did that come from? Who is Martin Foley? I mean, I knew I knew Martin Foley's name. I had seen him play a little. Uh, as far as I can determine, uh, you know, he's a first-year varsity player as a senior this year. Um, but the rest of uh, the games leading up to this point, stat-wise, were marginal. I mean, he no catches, no yards in the opener against Bay City Western. Three catches, 21 yards— the win against Marquette one catch for one yard against Traverse City that is West. was a big game That is a big game <laughs> One catch for one yard against Traverse City West in the, <laughs> the TC Patriot game Three catches for 33 yards uh, last week at Portage Central. That was seven catches for 55 yards zero <laughs> touchdowns in four games and then he goes for 200 plus and two scores on almost as many catches as he had the entire season in one day with four times, nearly four times the yardage, so uh, he's a pretty clear choice uh, for this. I mean, I if the, if the Trojans can continue to get that sort of output uh, from him. Man, then maybe they just found themselves a new weapon going down the stretch here. Do you think he was bribing Tobin
0: Schwanke throughout the week? Like, hey, you know, here's 100 bucks. Just throw me the ball a couple of times. I promise I'll take it to the house. If he did it, it worked. So, yeah, and he they, probably won't have to bribe him this time. And they were down in that game. The Central was down 14-0 to, to start uh, to start off. Came back, scored a 28 straight points uh, to get the 31-21 win uh, over, over Gaylord at home to to snap a uh, two-game losing streak. Um, James, your nomination for athlete of the week.
1: Okay. Um, well, uh, Jessica Leffler is, uh, at Kingsley is somebody who uh, kind of hasn't come out of left field. She's been pretty good for, for quite a while here in volleyball, one of the better volleyball players that we have in the area. Um, and She was one of our players to watch, right, in our fall tab that we so uh, wonderfully put together. Mm-hmm. And was interviewed, I believe, in your story about the uh, – how they come up with their different celebrations. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, she had a big day uh, leading the Stags, and they won the uh, the McBain Invitational for the first time in uh, in a long time. I don't know, it was like a decade or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she had like uh, like seventy, almost seventy kills. You know, ten blocks, a whole bunch of digs, a few assists, even, um, and uh, and just led them to that to that big title for them. Um, I think Kingsley's going to be uh, one of the teams around here that could uh, could really make a run i mean it's tough in class b you know they're one of the smaller teams in class b and they'll face a lot bigger teams in the in the playoffs but uh but when they got a, a player they can rely on like that they get a shot okay so who is joining
0: glenn lakes ken peter uh kate peterson uh who else do we got in there uh, leland's ali martin and west's uh, anika d who are we uh, who are we voting for uh, I, uh, you know, I'll tell you right now uh, CL Kearney is going to make it at some point, I know that, so maybe we don't have to induct her this week She'll, probably when she wins the state championship I guess we can we can induct her then uh, Leffler is certainly going to be in there at some point, so I'll cast my uh, vote for uh, the surprise performance of the week, and I'll give it to uh, Martin Foley from
2: uh, Traverse City Central I'll go with Martin Foley as well, so I guess I win again. Yep, you do <laughs> Okay, I don't matter as usual <laughs> <laughs> uh, but big kudos to all those all of those athletes for sure. yeah
0: no absolutely what a, a I mean a, a fantastic week by, by everybody there and uh, you got to give it to CL and the rest of the runners that braved that heat uh, on Saturday and uh, somehow managed to run 5,000 meters and, and not collapse although apparently there were several out there that did thankfully uh, you know there were no serious
1: uh, injuries or uh, fatalities so that's good. I didn't, I didn't want to walk in that heat, let alone run. No, yeah, I mean, it was... Just, I, 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 for the record, I would have voted for Seattle just because of the heat factor, and then, I mean, that is just impressive. Yeah. Not I, only that, by, by
0: winning by one by a minute and 32, and then winning the other one by a minute and uh, 12 seconds, it's... I mean, she's waiting around at the finish line, and there's nobody there, and, you know, mm-hmm. she could go and make herself a hot pocket if there's a... <laughs> in the 90 seconds that she's waiting around... Probably eat most of it, too. Yeah. you got to wait for it to cool down. Yeah. So it could be maybe lava hot on the outside, but that, ice cold in the center. <laughs> in that temperature, she probably wouldn't have even had to heat it up. She could have no. just left she, it out while yeah. she was running. Throw it on the sidewalk. It would have been perfect. So. I, for one, was submerged in Lake Michigan. You were in Lake Michigan or you were in the Bay? It's all the same. Oh, I didn't know that. No. <laughs> I thought it was the, there was the Bay and there was Lake Michigan, but what do
2: I know? But I was not in the Bay in Traverse City. Went up to Suttons Bay. Ah, I don't know.
0: very nice. All right, uh, let's get back to football. We'll break down the big game of the week that pits the Frankfurt Panthers, uh, who are ranked fifth in Division Eight, against last year's uh, Division Six uh, state runner-up, the Lakers of Glen Lake. Uh, Glen Lake has already suffered a couple of setbacks early in the season, losing to St. Francis 35 to nine, and then getting doubled up by Water of Elite 52 to 26. You guys like how I pronounced Water of Elite?
2: As yeah. Almost as good as my Alejandro Villanueva pronunciation.
0: Yeah, I, I'm going to go with your Alejandro Villanueva as a better pronunciation. Uh, <laughs> the Lakers destroyed a reeling Charlevoix team 49 to nothing, ahead of Friday's matchup at Frankfurt. Uh, the Panthers only lost this season, came to Muskegon Catholic Central in Week 2, uh, Muskegon Catholic Central has been basically been the bane of Frankfurt's existence for the last couple of seasons, uh, but other than that, Frankfurt won a shootout against Manton, seventy to forty, and then rolled uh, Mio Osabel, uh, fifty-eight to six, Mancelona forty-eight to six, and Joburg, fifty-two to fourteen. So, we had Kate Peterson, Glen Lakes, Kate Peterson versus uh, Griffin Kelly, Frank, uh, Frankfurt's Griffin Kelly, in episode number one's uh, discussion for the Get Around Hall of Fame, uh, with Peterson getting the nod there. Now we've got the real, the matchup in real life. Uh, so who do we got? We had Frankfurt won last
2: year, twenty six to twenty one. Who's winning this game? I'm gonna go with Frankfurt again this time around. Um, they do seem a little bit more of a complete team at this point in the season uh, than Glen Lake, but obviously both squads have a ton of talent. Um, you know, I, I do think you know you hate to make it sound like it's one player versus another. But I mean, I would say that whoever has the better game between Griffin Kelly and Cade Peterson, that their team will win. Uh, but I, I, I think Frankfurt, uh, I think they're defensively, they're maybe a little stronger. Um, I think we've seen, um, especially with the departure of linebacker Duke Angers, um, you know, I think we've seen Glenn Lake's defense take a little bit of a step back. And which has forced the maybe the offense to not be quite as balanced, or um, even though you know. they are coming off a forty-nine to nothing win. Yes. Yes. Okay. No.
0: Just right. saying. Offense isn't there, and their defense is tape it, taking a step back, and they won forty-nine to nothing. Just saying. I'm just. I mean. I don't. I know. You know. I understand it was against a, a Charlotte White team that
2: is roster sports about what sixteen people, sixteen kids right now. Yep. So, yep. I I still expect it to be competitive. I'm not. I'm not going with anybody running away with anything this time. No. Like the last whenever we predicted games. but uh, uh, So, yeah, Glenlake should be feeling pretty good right now. That's right. right. They should
0: because. You're like, all right, he picked us the last time. He picked us against us this time. All right, we're 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 good. I don't know. I think you've got two really uh, extraordinary offenses uh, uh, coming together uh, on that field. It's uh, Glenlake's homecoming, uh, so they have uh, a little bit extra to play for. You, you always want to win on your homecoming week. I know that for most of the schools I think around here it's homecoming. Uh, last week you had the two Traverse City, uh, Traverse City schools. Uh, it was their homecoming. Yeah, you have you have just two dynamic offensive players in Griffin Kelly and Cade Peterson uh, and you have Peterson who has uh, a lot of good options offensively with Nick Apsey, uh, uh Peter Mackey and Josh Sturzer are, are also uh, pretty phenomenal players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nick Rice. Uh, Nick Rice as well. Thank you James. Uh, I don't want to leave anybody out. I'll get a phone call <laughs> from uh, from Jerry Angers. Uh, should, oh, should I do my Jerry Angers impression? Should I do a little more? I won't. I won't. Uh. <laughs> good. good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, there you go. Right back at you, Jerry. Oh, Sit I, and spin, buddy. I got
1: the I got the finger. All right, that's fine. <laughs> We're even. We're even. James, what do you? How do you feel about this matchup? Uh, I, I feel pretty similar to, to Brett on this one. I, at you know, like you said, two very good offenses. Um, I think that uh, Kirk Myers is kind of coming into his zone a little bit. I think at quarterback, um, which maybe gives Frankfurt a little bit of an edge. I think in this game, I mean, Griffin Kelly is going to put up big numbers. I think pretty much. I don't know that anybody really. Stops him. And even against Mansi Catholic, he put up his numbers. Mansi Catholic. Him, a skiing like,
2: <clears throat> Why do we always, actually? We have, we've all been saying he, that he, he did get bottled up in that one. If I remember correctly, what, he had, like sixty-seven. He had yards, sixteen
1: right? carries for fifty-three
2: yards. Okay. Yeah. So you know, sub-four average for a kid who's taking it ten almost every time he touches the ball. Yeah. But yeah, he's but an all-state, all-state caliber player. That's yeah.
0: Do you think this is an offensive and shootout? Is this offense versus offense and not so much defense? Are we looking at a,
1: you know, a forty-four I don't to forty-two sh- I mean, game? It won't be a shootout like that game against Manton, for sure. Uh, what was that seventy to forty? Seventy to forty, yeah. yeah man, that that, was, that score just really surprised me um, when I saw it. But um, I, I don't think it'll be a shootout like that. I think uh, last year's game was uh, 26, like 40 points total. Twenty-six twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it was close. Um, you've got a lot of the same kids back Matt Loney played a big factor in that game too for for Frankfurt with a big interception at the end and, and that game was just that game was just awesome to watch last year I mean it was back and forth watching the game at Lockhart Field is awesome playing it this year on uh, Glen Lake's new turf is, is going to be awesome uh, Matt Stapleton when I was t- talking to him you know said uh, that you know Glen Lake was fast last year on, ter- on grass you can't imagine how fast they're going to be this year on turf Um but, uh, but I, I still like, I still like uh, Frankfurt a little bit just because I don't know that Clone Lake is going to be able to bottle him up. All right. Um, final scores, Brett.
0: 38-31 Frankfurt. All right. James? Uh, I think it would be about 28-21 Frankfurt. All right. I'm going to go 37-36 Frankfurt. And they win on the final drive of the game to, uh, to steal a win. On Frankfurt's or on I'm sorry on Glen Lakes uh, new turf. All right. Uh, Other big games we have. uh, We got uh, Traverse City West looking to move to six and zero against Benton Harbor at home. Uh, Central hoping to build on Saturday's win against Gaylord with uh, another Big North victory against uh, Petoskey. Saint Francis with a Saturday matinee against Grayling. You have Cadillac at Gaylord, Kingsley at uh, Elk Rapids, Boyne City at Kalkaska, Charlevoix at East Jordan, Onakama at Atlanta. Fancy Central at Sheboygan, Misick at Big Rapids Crossroads, Gaylord St. Mary at St. Ignace, Pelston at Bel Air, Central Lake at Sutton's Bay, and Forest
1: Area at Grand Traverse Academy. Any of those games uh, interest you guys? I think um, Grayling versus St. Francis will be interesting. Um, but I think that'll be a good game. I mean, uh, you got Grayling coming off its first loss of the season against Boyne City. A really good Boyne City team. And, uh, and, and St. Francis has been rolling, around, rolling along, but uh, I almost think they should be rolling along more than they have been i'm gonna go with another
2: eight-man game this week Uh, sutton's bay is traveling to central lake on saturday for the trojans homecoming now sutton's bay is coming off a loss on friday night uh, to unbeaten onekama and they get another unbeaten squad this time albeit on the road Um, you know i was kind of i was really interested in that sutton's bay onekama game just to you know I thought Onemo was the better team but I just wanted to see how those two squads matched up and uh, now with the fact that Central Lake is still unbeaten you know be able to see these two teams go and sort of try to establish where maybe the hierarchy lies among some of these uh, Northern Michigan eight-man programs and I mean the Trojans have had a phenomenal season uh, like I said five and0 now um, a team that, really really struggled in their last season of 11 man a year ago Um, Switched coaches again, although to a a Familiar face in Rob Hickey who coached the team before and you know I just I think those guys even the practice that I went to you know before the season started I think they just felt like they were having fun again And my guess is they probably weren't having much if any fun at the end of last year. Sutton's Bay yeah, they're three and two. They're very much still in the thick of a playoff hunt, uh, which would be huge for them after losing their varsity season last year. Um, and you know, you start off four and two. Your your odds are still pretty pretty good. So they, I mean, they're maybe feeling uh, while Central Lakes playing for their homecoming, Sutton's Bay's feeling like maybe they're playing for their for their postseason a little bit uh, this week. All right. Uh, nearing the end of the
0: show here, uh, before we get out of here, let's go over some of the lessons that we learned uh, from last week. Brett, we'll uh, go right back to you. Uh, you were talking about eight-man football just a couple seconds ago, and why not bring eight-man a, 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 a back up with uh, Onekama?
2: Yeah, the uh, the Portagers are an excellent team. Uh, I think I may have brought this up um, in a previous podcast, but you know they're just one of those... They're, they're one of the few teams who maybe went to eight man before they were in dire straits and uh you know they're having success not just because of that but because i mean they've they've got some really talented kids um on that on that team could uh, you look at the three-man backfield of jacob montler who is an all-state caliber player uh you've got what you call maybe a reserve running back although he would start on most any team and Ben Acton and then you've got Jeremiah Tory uh, at the quarterback and <clears throat> Suttons Bay has a pretty good defense uh Nekoma, you know played them last week and Torrey just ran the option with lethal precision I mean he knew exactly you know when to pull the ball when to keep it when to let it go then there was never any hesitation no guessing and as impressive as Acton and Montler were I think those two combined for 240 yards and two touchdowns running the ball Torrey at the quarterback spot had a buck ninety-six and three scores himself Uh, and their offensive line is good defensively uh, they were almost as impressive and just I mean they really hit people I saw at least four Norsemen with ice bags on the sideline during that game on Friday, and it was simply because Onekimo was just hitting them every single play as hard as they could, and uh, you know, you if you can beat up a team on both sides of the ball, it's it's gonna wear uh, wear on the, the opposition. So, I mean, I've been I've got a an eight man Associated Press uh, vote. Uh, and I've been voting for Onekma on the top five. I mean, it, it is a little tricky because you don't necessarily see all the other teams, especially you know some of those up schools. But I mean, if they're if they're not in the top five, uh, they're as close as you can be because the Portagers are for real. All right, you got the Madden story too. You were uh, going to tell that. Oh yeah, the uh, so after the after that game on Friday. Um, So, as I said, Torrey rushed for 196, Montler had 150, and that left Ben Acton with 91 yards rushing. And they put up, like, 450 rushing yards in that game, ridiculous average yards per carry. And I, I told Coach uh, John Neff, I said, you only had to give Acton one more carry, and you'd have had three with over 100 yards. And he said, yeah. He's like, you know, in Madden, where you can just pull up the stat check mid-game, he's like, i got to figure out a way I can do that here
1: so that I can make sure I, I give the carry to the right guy. <laughs> I would say that uh, that mine is that uh, Trevor City St. Francis needs to come out in the first quarter uh, and just kind of take control of games that they're supposed to take control of more. Uh, the last two weeks um, they've had they've had games where they've come in as the heavy favorite and kind of let teams hang around with them, you know, for a little while. Um, I think both of them were like only seven to nothing after the first quarter, but ended up being significantly larger margins after that. But I think the I think maybe the players are kind of coming in knowing that knowing that, you know, that they're heavy favorites in this game. And, you know, by the second quarter, they're like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to win this by a lot, so let's get going. Yeah. Um, and, and if, if, you know, when they get to the part of their schedule where they're going to be facing some uh, some bigger heavy hitters, um, that they, they can't afford to do that.
0: I think the biggest lesson that I learned that there aren't bad referees just in the NFL, as was proved on uh, Sunday, but there were some horrific officials at the West Alpena game uh, who just did not understand uh, how a running clock worked. Uh, the, first of all, they had the running clock going in the first half, uh, which isn't correct. You don't start a running clock, even if the team is up by 50 in the first half. You don't start it until the second half. The other, uh, what I thought was, uh, was odd, is that in the running clock in the second half, uh, they started the running clock in the fourth quarter before the ball was snapped to start the fourth quarter. So it was a running clock. The clock was already moving while before the ball was even snapped in the fourth, fourth quarter. It was just everybody in the press box, coaches on both sides, were wondering what the hell was going on. It was, uh, it was awful. And you also had uh, Andrew Campbell uh, get kicked out of that game. Uh, uh, Trevor City West, Andrew Campbell got kicked out of that game uh, for uh, reportedly kicking an Alpena player. Uh, but uh, head coach Tim Ward said he looked at the film and it didn't look like he kicked him at all and uh, you didn't really see anything uh, on the film that looked like a kick he he yanked his uh, leg away from the other uh, from the from the would-be tackler Um, but uh, yeah so now Andrew Campbell one of their best running backs is gonna have to sit out uh, this game this week because he was ejected and it was uh, it it was just a night of, of really poor officiating by those guys so It's a shame that uh, Andrew Campbell's going to be missing that game against Benton Harbor, uh, because, you know, you have uh, another one of their running backs uh, in uh, Jacob Pulaski, who is uh, battling uh, turf toe, and who knows if he's going to be back this week, and that that takes them down to, and I'm not saying that they don't have uh, enough in their backfield, because they certainly do with Eric Levante and uh, John Jerkovic, who is just really coming on the scene as, as a great player. Uh, And you also have uh, Odin Asafardini, who who can run the ball. And you've got another kid in Sean Darin. I mean, literally, that that West running game is six to seven players deep. And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, they'll miss Campbell, but uh, I don't think they'll miss him so much that they're going to take a loss on Friday. All right, uh, on to the trifecta. Uh, We like to use this uh, as a bit of a palate cleanser to end the episode. This week we are uh, taking one fictional athlete from the big screen or the little screen and building our franchise around him or her. So who are you taking?
1: James. Uh, I'm going to go with Scott Howard. I don't know who that is. Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf, all right. So you, you got to you start your team with a wolf.
0: Who's going to beat a wolf? Which Teen Wolf? Are we going Michael J. Fox or are we going Jason Bateman? Oh, we got to go Mike, Michael J. Fox. All right, so it's we're going gonna, with gonna be, Teen Wolf 1, the not one. Teen Wolf 2.
2: He's got style.
1: There's something different about you. Did you change your hair?
2: He's got class. Wolf, wolf, wolf. Ah. Wolf person. Whoa. He's got hair all over his body.
0: Wolves aren't supposed to be
1: shy.
2: He's a wolf in teen's clothing, and tonight is his night to howl.
1: I mean, if you're going to start a team, you got to start off with a werewolf, I mean. Right? Well,
2: yeah.
0: Who's going to stop that? Nobody because, uh, I mean, the only thing is uh, is not a full moon, right? Is that is that how that works?
1: Yeah, or a vampire, maybe. Maybe there's a whole Silver vampire werewolf thing. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a yeah. solid movie. Silver Bullet would probably be a technical foul at some point, though. I don't think guns are allowed in basketball games. I think they'd
0: probably get that <laughs> player would get ejected for that one. I would hope so, based on what I saw when Andrew Campbell got ejected. Flagrant. Definitely <laughs> a flagrant. <laughs> Certainly a flagrant, too. No doubt about it. Two free throws and the ball. <laughs> All right, so we've got you going with. What's his name? Scott Howard? Scott Howard. Scotty Howard. Brett, what about you? Who are you going with, buddy? We've got... All right. All right. Run down your six six choices before you give me your actual choice. Well, I'm only
2: going to give you three choices. I want all six. No. No. Just three. I narrowed it down a little. All right? So we've got three movies, two football players that are both quarterbacks, and then a basketball movie. So I've got uh, Willie Beeman from Any Given Sunday. Never seen it. Played by Jamie Foxx. Uh, he's a Houston standout, you know, mobile, athletic, dual dual uh, threat quarterback type guy. Uh, but, you know, he did have that puking incident in his first game, so I don't know. Those butterflies might get to him a little bit. I don't know if he could handle being the franchise guy or not. Because oh, he gets too nervous? After one season. Uh-huh. So, you know, we'll see. Okay, so then my second quarterback... Uh, Shane Falco, uh, played by Keanu Reeves in the replacements. I was going to bring up Johnny Utah from Point Break for the second straight week, but he is not going to be my choice. Uh, He he played at Ohio State and then uh, basically fell out of football um, after he – Performed poorly in the Sugar Bowl his senior year and couldn't get over it, Uh, but he's got a big arm. He's tough. You can't forget that Coach Jimmy McGinty said he's got heart, and that's what they needed to to come back and win that game in the second half. You can't forget.
0: (laughs) Who's forgotten it? Um, Who is your actual choice?
2: (laughs) And wait, I got one more. Oh my! And then we've got we've got this we've got Space Jam Michael Jordan. Everybody knows Michael Jordan, but the. You know, he may be the greatest of all time, but you know who could beat Michael Jordan at Space Jam? Michael Jordan. because he can why? stretch his arm from half court and put it in the basket. So those are my three options. <laughs> and your pick is...
1: <laughs> you start playing the Oscars playoff music? Playoff music here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the franchise athlete goes to uh, Shane Falco with the replacements. All right. That's-
0: I know you're tired, I know you're hurting, and I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational, but that just wouldn't be our style. Pain heals, chicks dig scars, glory last forever. Right on, right on right on! Shotgun, DC right, flip
2: 90, dig,
0: on the center, on the center, ready?
2: Think uh, from the Ohio State after throwing that winning touchdown in the uh, in the final game uh, with his fellow replacement players. I think that sort of finally got him over the Sugar Bowl thing, and he can give the uh, the NFL a second go and uh, you know hurdle over those obstacles that he he had coming out of college. All right. Well, you took that very seriously, Brett.
0: (laughs) And we're very happy about that. All right. Um, right. My choice, I'll give you two. Uh, I was going to either go with uh, Jimmy Chitwood, who I refer to as as a Steve Nash um, from uh, Hoosiers, but I'm going to go with uh, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, uh, of course, from one of the best not just baseball movies, but I'd say sports movies all around uh, in, in the sandlot.
1: Jets got a suicide week.
0: He uh, put on those PF flyers, pickled the beast, um, and uh, it was, uh, of course, in the uh, uh, incredible final scene of that movie, uh, even though Benny the Jet looked like he lost a step or two, but uh, he goes on to, uh, to steal home. Uh, so, yeah, I would, uh, uh, as part of the L.A. Dodgers, I would take a, yeah, a young uh, Benny the Jet Rodriguez and I would uh, try to build my baseball franchise around him. You know, you can hit the ball, you can run, um, and uh, he's also a good leader, which you could certainly tell uh, as he uh, did his best to bring uh, good old Scotty Smalls uh, into the fold as uh, part of the Sandlot crew. All right, uh, well, that. About wraps things up here for episode number four of the Get Around podcast. Uh, you can find us online uh, if uh, you are not listening to this on SoundCloud. You can find us on SoundCloud.com backslash The Get Around. You can also find us on www.recordeagle.com. Uh, you can find that under the local sports uh, section. We'll be there. Uh, we're working on uh, getting this uh, podcast on uh, iTunes and YouTube. We've uh, hit some uh, a little bit of some rescuffling there a little bit, but I'm, I'm certainly hoping that I'll be able to do that sometime this week. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can find me at, um, uh, I'm sorry, you can find me on Twitter at Brendan Queeley. You can find James at JamesCook14, and you can find Brett at BA BASportsWriter. You can also find uh, the Record Eagle Sports uh, Twitter at TCRE Sports, and you can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash TCRE Sports. Uh, For my fellow uh, Traverse City Record Eagle sports writers and co-hosts, I am Brendan Quealy. This has been fun with uh, James Cook and Brett Summers. Hopefully you guys come back and listen next week.